Go to Revelation in chapter 2. I want to ask you to pray this morning or put on your prayer list uh, Ron Beckwar. Ron's been under the weather here um, the last several days and just hold him up for the Lord in prayer. And then also uh, pray for uh, Brother Robertson. Um, that's uh, Debbie's, Debbie Johnson's grandfather. He took, he took a spill. His health has not been great the last several weeks. And uh, just, just hold him up before the Lord and uh, just pray that God would get him back to 100%. Let's go and stand together and reverence the Word of God. Revelation chapter 2. I want to read the first seven verses together. Revelation chapter 2. Start with verse number 1. The Bible says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. And do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning, and I, uh, Lord, I pray for this group of people. Father, in this in this type of congregation, there's so many needs and so many different uh, just things going on in their lives. Father, uh, there's no way I possibly could e even attempt to, to meet that in any possible way. But Father, I do thank you for the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that he'd touch each and every heart as he sees as you see fit. Lord, I pray that if there is one in this room today that is without the, the gift of salvation, Father, they are not sure that heaven's their home because Christ is their Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. And Father, I pray also for those that are born again and that heaven is their home, that Father, you'd, you'd grab hold of our hearts and that we'd see the, the necessity of, of walking with you and having you be a part of our daily lives. I ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Revelation in chapter 2 picks up with the seven letters to the seven churches. Fascinating study. Um, there's so much there. You can spend absolutely months and months privately doing it. And uh, it's, it's powerful. And uh, we see here, though, the church in Ephesus. And this is the letter to the first church. And the church at Ephesus was, uh, by all outward signs, a dynamic church, a church that was zealous for God, a church that was uh, right with God. They had a lot of things going for them. And uh, folks, in, in all honesty, we would say that the, the church in Ephesus was a church that was experiencing, in many cases, revival. And it seems to be that revival in today's religion is thought of more of, as an outward show of religion or spirituality. But let me say this, in all reality, uh, revival begins with a revived heart. Um, the word revived simply means to return to life or to recover life. And this morning I desire to speak to you concerning not, not so much a public revival, although that would be a wonderful thing, but a personal revival. It's a revival that every child of God here today is in need of. Our hearts desperately need to be renewed, they need to be invigorated, and brought back to life. And my friend, uh, we need to grasp the importance of that. 
We need to be in love with our Savior the way that Christ desires us to be. In verse 4 of Revelation 2 of our text, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now, this was a church that was really doing something for God. And if you look at the verses uh, 1 through 3 and you look at verses 6 and 7, you'll see that. This was not an inactive church. This was not a church that wasn't serving God. It was. But he says, I have a problem with you. He said, I have a problem with you. If you've got your Bibles, and take them with me to Luke chapter 10. If, if you don't, just, just go ahead and listen along. But take your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, and I, and I want to give you to a certain extent, as far as verses 4 and 5 are concerned, a sister passage. Luke in chapter 10, and I want to pick up with just the last segment of the chapter, verse number 38. Luke in chapter 10, it says, Now it came to pass... As they went, that he, that's Jesus, entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now understand, Mary and Martha were were, uh, sisters to a man named Lazarus. Lazarus in the book of John is the man who Jesus resurrected from the grave. Said Lazarus come forth and Lazarus came out of the grave even and just it was a miraculous story and powerful. And Jesus was very close to this family by all uh, signs given in the gospels. He knew these people and he loved them and he cared for them and they loved him and felt very strongly about him and, and believed in him as the Messiah. Verse number 40, it says, But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. And that sounds like a lot of Christians, amen? God, why don't you tell the other people to get to work? But verse 41, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. It's just kind of a very simple story, but Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And as Jesus was speaking and teaching and and just talking, she was sitting at his feet, soaking and absorbing that all in. Martha was getting dinner ready. She was cleaning the house. She was taking care of things that, in all honesty, needed to be taken care of. No doubt about that. But she gets frustrated with her sister because her sister, instead of helping her do the work, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus very gently and kindly rebukes Martha. And he says, Martha, he says, you're forgetting what is most important. And my friend, today I want to say this. In all of Christianity and Christendom, there is no greater thing than walking with our Savior. There's no greater thing than being in love with our God. The great commandment, Jesus said, was this, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. This was the first and great commandment. And my friend this morning, what I want to challenge you as as we look at this, Ephesus was a dynamic church. Ephesus was a church that every single one of us in this room would want to be a part of. 
They, they, they were on fire for God. They were reaching their community. They were reaching, in many ways, their world for Christ. This was a church that was what it should be by all outward signs. But Jesus, looking down from heaven, said, I have a problem with you. And he said, this problem is not a small issue. This is a big issue. He said, you have left your first love. Today, many of you are busy with life. You're busy, not necessarily with bad things, but in many cases, good things. But there's a serious problem. You've left your first love. While your actions are good, in many cases, your motive may not be proper. Reading the Bible once was a delight. Now it's a drudgery. Prayer was once a highlight. Now it's nothing more than a low light. Church at one time was anticipated. Now it's avoided. The singing of hymns was looked forward to and now it's dreaded. The preaching at one time touched our hearts and caused us to look upward, but now it's mostly unheard by our ears and for the most part only causes us to glance at our wristwatches. Walking with God was once a joy. Now it's chore and it's lost its luster. Once upon a time, Christian, Christ was important. In fact, he was preeminent and triumphant. And now nothing, or even worse, a sense of foreboding when the things of the Lord are brought up that infringes upon our fleshly desires and dreams. This morning, I want to give you just four thoughts to help rekindle your first love. I want to give you four thoughts to rekindle your first love. In verse number five, in verse number, I'm sorry, in verse number four, we have Christ's case against the church at Ephesus. He says, you've left your first love. He says, I have an issue with you. He compliments them on all that they're doing, and they are doing many things. They are, they are actively serving God. They're actively rejecting false teaching and false teachers, and you see that. There are some in the church at this time that were proclaiming themselves to be apostles, and they were fa- false apostles, and it, this church at Ephesus, they tried them according to the Word of God, according to the Spirit of God, and rejected the false teaching and pushed the false teacher out and said, that's not right, that's not biblical, absolutely not here. I mean, this was a church that you would look at and say, boy, this is everything we want to be. But Christ says in verse 4, you have a problem. You've left your first love. Now, verse number 5 starts out with the remedy. The first word says, remember. Remember from whence thou art fallen. Remember, and that, it, it, re, it means to remember from what source you've, you've fallen. You know, I, I, I got I to ask this, my friend, if you are truly born again this morning, when's the last time you remembered how great salvation is? You see, we, we hear it in this church so often that sometimes we have a tendency to forget how wonderful it truly is. Remember from what source you fall. Remember, remember how great it was the day that you bowed your head and you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And my friend, if you do not have a time in your life when you have been saved and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, today is the greatest day for that, all right? And in a few minutes, I'll give you every opportunity to get saved. If you want to get saved right now, you shoot your hand up and we'll make it happen. And my friend, you can trust Christ. But I want you to understand, hey, Christian, you need to remember 
your salvation. Many of us today, that's grown old to us. We have lost the wonder of it all. We look at heaven and we talk about it. We look at the fact that we're redeemed and saved out of hell and we talk about it. We talk about all of the wonderful things that go into our salvation and truthfully and for the most part, it does nothing to excite our heart within. We just don't remember very well. We just don't remember very well. Christian, this morning, do you remember the deliverance that Christ brought to your life? And I'm not just talking about hell and salvation in heaven. I'm talking about deliverance. Do you remember the state you were in when you got saved? Man, some of you, you were addicted to all sorts of nonsense. Some of you, your marriage was in trouble. Some of you, your kids were rebelling. And God has miraculously brought about stability. And He's given you a home that is sound and that is secure. He's given you a marriage that is stable and is based on Him. God has done some wonderful things in your life. And we have a tendency to forget. You need to remember that deliverance. You need to remember His provision. My friend, today, I can promise you this. We are all, in many cases, very well fed and very well taken care of. It's cold outside, but brother, many of us today have a very comfortable house. Amen? Guys, you walk in and your wife has a thermostat turned up to 97. Amen? You got, you, but God has provided, has He not? I mean, God has taken care of. I didn't have to wonder where I was going to put my head to bed last night. I knew. All right? I knew where my head was going to lie. I knew that my family's needs had been met. I knew that our food supply was capable of feeding them and feeding us today. I know that God has given me several automobiles so I do not have to walk to church. Amen? God has provided. And what happens is we have a tendency to forget that. And my friend, today, the first thing to falling in love as far as Christ is concerned is to remember Remember how sweet it used to be. Remember how much you anticipated coming to church. Remember how thrilled you were when you read your Bible and God showed you something for you. Remember. Man, remember God's protection. You know, I got to tell you, and I, I thank God last night on my way home as I was driving, and I pray every time, about a year ago, it's a little, little over a year ago, coming to church, I, I had a big old deer run right out of the stinking cornfield right next to us and, and just smack in the side of my car, and I had no damage. I got out, and I thanked God. I said, God, thanks for protecting me. And I, every time I get in the car now, I pray God, God gives me a safe trip. I figured he did a pretty good job when I didn't ask him. I'm going to make sure I ask him. Amen. And, and so, God, but I, I pray, I pray that for God's protection. But last night as I was going home, you know, I, I got to thinking, how many times has God protected me that I don't even know about, man? How many times has God provided and protected for my children and for my wife and for my family and for my friends and for this congregation that I don't even know about? And my friend, I, I got to be honest, the, the, the issue is, is we just, we just got to start remembering I mean, we got to jog back in our mind and we got to go back to that time when salvation was sweet. We got to go back in our minds to when the Christian life was, 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 was fresh and it was, it was something that we looked forward to. And we've got to remember. We've got to remember and we've forgotten. We, 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 why, why, why are we out of love with the Lord? Because we've forgotten how great He is. We, we know it. But just because you know something doesn't mean you're acting on something. And we've grown tired and we've grown bored and we've grown just just settled in our faith. And my friend, today, I don't want us to just be, oh, good. Yeah, I'm saved. 
Man, there ought to be a hallelujah. And there ought to be a praise God that escapes our lips and that just joy wells up within our soul because you know what? We have something that is so special and that is so great and that is so dynamic. And yet many of us today in this church, though we're serving God, though we're faithful to the things of God, though we do read our Bible, yes, we do pray, we've fallen out of love. We've forgotten our first love. I was talking to to the folks on on Friday night at a Valentine's banquet and just left him with a simple thought. Which we got to remember. We've got to remember. Do you remember how sweet husband and wife it was when you first began? Do you remember how when she'd burn supper, you'd still eat it? Without complaining? And now it's, bless God, what is this? Expect me to eat this garbage. You know what I'm talking about. We forget. And I I do want you to understand, folks, I'm not talking about some false excitement. See, our world has stolen love and it's replaced it with the word lust. And somehow, and, and Christianity's tr- kind of tried to do the same thing. It seems like in so much of Christianity today, in so many of these churches, we're trying to, to, to pump people up and get them all excited and get them all high on nothing. Well, I'm sorry. I, I have something. I, I have something real. And it's good. And I have something that is secure and that's never going to change. And my friend, what I need to do is not to find a way to get myself all excited. I just need to sit down and say, man, do you remember when it was so good? I mean, do you remember, do you remember when, 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 when I came to church and I heard him preach about that for the first time? I said, wow, that is fantastic. And I went home and I did it. Remember. Remember, secondly, you need to repent. The Bible says, remember from whence thou art fallen. And, verse 5, repent. Repent. The idea of repentance is to turn away from something or someone another. That's what repentance is. Repentance means that I'm heading in this direction and I stop and I go back this direction. That's what repentance means. A lot of Christians think repentance means I'm sorry. That's not repentance. Repentance is a change of one's direction. And so understand that. Can I get, I'm going to steal my wife. Can I get you up here for a moment, Debbie? I'm going to embarrass my wife. If I told her I was going to do it, she wouldn't come up. All right. I got a great wife, by the way. Amen? She puts up with me. You know it's got to be a good wife. When we got married, come here, Debbie. She can stand close to me. Amen? Okay, when we got married, all right, the preacher stood in the middle of us. And by the way, it's unfair, but her, the preacher at our wedding was her father. Okay, if you want strict and rules, have that done. Amen? Okay, but her father was, was between us. And what he did is he went through the vows with us. And he asked us, will you, will you, he asked me, will you keep her in sickness and health and poverty as in wealth, forsaking all others, so long as you both shall live? And I said, yes, sir. And, 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 and he looked at her and he said, will you have him to be your lawfully wedded husband? Will you love him and cherish him and keep him and honor him and do all those things for him, so long as you both shall live? And she said, I, 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 I do. And, and, and at that moment... He stepped, now he wasn't standing in between us like this, but he was standing here at that moment when he said, I now present to you Mr. and Mrs. Andrew Dow. He stepped out of the way and came to the side and presented us 
together as a couple. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. As a couple, my attention is to be at my wife. That's, that's where my attention is to be. And as a Christian, my attention is to be at my heavenly father, my God. I'm supposed to love him with all of my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. Well, what happens in life is we have a tendency to get distracted. We have a tendency to have things or people come into our lives. And my relationship with my wife, nothing is supposed to come between me and my wife. Do you understand that? Divorce was not a scriptural principle. It's something that God taught us, not a good idea. And so my job is to keep ever towards her in my life. Well, life distracts us, does it not? Well, I'm going to tell you something, fellas and ladies. You say, well, well, I, you know, I, I, I said I'm sorry. I, I understand you said you're sorry. Have you repented from going in the wrong direction and put your focus back on her? And understand the importance of that. We got a lot of people, they say, well, well, you know, I, I, just my life's too busy and too hectic. Well, then, brother, you're wrong. Your attention is supposed to be there. And my attention as a man in dealing with a woman, my, she gains all my attention. And if my attention gets distracted, number one, I need to remember in my mind the commitment I made to her, to God, to everybody, and I need to repent and say, I'm going in the wrong direction, and I need to get this ship righted and right back at her. She deserves that. That is the commitment I made to her. And my friend this morning, you need to understand that that is the concept of repentance. When your gaze has been distracted and your direction has been changed, and that always happens when your gaze is distracted. Can I tell you, it is very hard for you to go straight ahead when your gaze is off to this side. Do you understand that you will have a tendency to start walking a little bit off kilter? And my friend today, many of us, and I'm not trying to preach directly about marriage here, but I think that the truth can be very practically applied. Our direction, we've been distracted, and so our direction is wrong. And as far as a married man is concerned, I need to come to my wife, and I need to remember what it was once like. There was a time in many of our relationships when we were actually very fond of our spouse. That's fantastic. Woo! Got one guy. He talking to me. Yes, I am. But you've been distracted. You've been, and I'm not saying what's distracted you is all bad, okay? And understand that. You know, I, I, I'm not looking at anything I shouldn't on the internet. I'm not, I'm not in any other woman. I didn't say that. And if you are, get right with God and repent immediately. But what I'm saying is sometimes you just get distracted by stuff that, that's part of life. And my friend, the problem with that is, is you lose that first love. I don't want to ever fall out of that type of love with this woman. I love her, but I don't just want to one day say, well, she knows it. I don't have to say it anymore. No, brother. You do want to say it. When you come in the door, she should be the first thing that you want to see. And for heaven's sake, want to put your lips on. Good, Lance. You are dead. Dead. Heaven help us. Uh, have you seen my wife? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Roger. That's the problem, though. We've lost our first love. And I'm not talking about infatuation. I'm not talking about lust. I'm talking about you have stopped loving that person. And friend, in many cases in our Christian lives, we've stopped loving our God. You say, well, I'm busy. I'm, I, I mean, I, I, the reason I, I work that job and I provide for her, why can't she be happy? Because she's not your first love. Your job is. That's, that's why. 
Well, I mean, I, I need some free time. I got to go out with my buddies. Why is she mad at me? Because you left your first love. You love them more than you love her. And we all know that. And ladies, you, you do the same thing. You know, I, I'm a mother. How does he expect me? Well, you better make sure those kids don't become more important than him. He's your first love. Now, folks, I don't want to go into this and thank you, love. I appreciate it. I'm going to die for that at home. Amen. Thank God I still love her like the first time. But um, we need to understand because in our Christian lives, and let me make a spiritual application, we have said, God, I'm in church, aren't I? Yeah. Well, God, I, I read my Bible three days last week. What more do you want? I'm busy. God says, I want you to love me with a first love. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's unreasonable. How, how, I mean, how can I, how can I serve God and do this and do that and do that? I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to make God happy, let everything else go and you serve him and let the rest fill in the blanks. And I'm going to tell you right now, hey, husbands and wives, if you want to make your spouse happy, you say everything else in the world. Do you understand at the wedding altar, traditional vows say forsaking all others? Uh-huh. That just doesn't mean other women or other men. That means everybody, amen? That means mama and daddy. That means brother and sister. That means the old ex. That means the, the future, whatever. That means you forsake all others so long as you both shall live. And my friend, today we've forgotten that. And in Christianity, we say, well, well pastor, I mean, I'm just, I'm just so busy. You've got to stop and remember. Number one, you've got to remember. And then number two, you've got to repent. Number three, number three, you've got to replay It says, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. It says, and do the first works. Replay. The things that brought happiness and contentment and success in the first place, we need to go back and do them again. Let me, let me use marriage, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody. Once upon a time, you took her to dinner, amen? Where, where it actually cost money. Okay? And I understand finances being what they are. In some cases, that's very difficult. But you went out of your way to spend time with her. And ladies, you did the same. Amen? You, you got up, I mean, you, you made yourself up for that. You got all gussied up, spent 27 hours in the bathroom and and every bit of makeup was done perfectly and every eyelash was in the and 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 and, and now and I know life has gotten busy and life has got hectic but 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 now it just is kind of like I just threw myself together what are we gonna do you got to replay you've got to go back and do the first works I was reading an article about business it's been about a month ago but they were talking about companies that are probably not going to be in existence in 10 years, big companies. One of them was J.C. Penney. They forgot what made them successful in the first place. Here about a year and a half ago, they, they made a whole different change in their business. Okay? They totally went out and revamped everything, and, and, and obviously they've gotten some, some terrible values and some immorality, and, and, and they're pushing the homosexual agenda. But even, even before that, they changed their target audience. For many years, J.C. Penney, and, and, and all you ladies know it, J.C. Penney was a place you always walked in and they had a sale, right? 
Yes, I mean, the, the, the semi, 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 semi-annual clearance event. You know, I mean, and they had, it was every week. They, had, they always had a sale going, and they changed their whole marketing strategy. And in the last year and a half, they've lost about 25% of their business. Well, folks, what happens here is when we forget what we are good at and what made us in the first place, we have a tendency to get a little cocky and to think that we are the ones that are running the show and we like to step out and say, I can do whatever I want and I'll be just fine. You're an idiot. You can't. This church in Ephesus said, we're, man, we got it together. We're somebody. I mean, we are the big church in town. We're the big kahuna. We can do anything we want. And God said, no, you can't. Uh-uh. He said, you left your first love. <laughs> Walked into a Burger King. And my brother, if he was here, he loves Burger King, man. The home of the Whopper. Amen? That is every teenage boy's favorite restaurant. Now, once you grow up a little bit, you do realize that they don't taste quite as good as you remember. Amen? But, but they're good. And, and, and Burger King has tried to make themselves into this fancy eatery. Can I tell you, Burger King will never be a fancy eatery. You know why? Because they're the home of the Whopper. I'm sorry, you can't be the home of the Whopper and then broadcast yourself as being, we're a fine dining restaurant. No, you're not. You're the home of the Whopper. That's what you are. And when you stop embracing that as a business, then their business is failing. They have fallen behind. They've been behind McDonald's forever. Now they're behind Wendy's and they're in danger of falling into fourth place as, as, as far as fast food restaurants. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because they forgot to do what they were good at. And my friend this morning, as far as our Christianity is concerned, some of us need to go back to the first works and we need to start doing what got us to where we are today. I mean, some of you, you've been saved for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and God blessed you because you honored God, and you lifted Him up, and, and you read your Bible, and you prayed, and you began to tithe, and you got faithful to church, and you put your kids in, in a place where they can be taught Christ-honoring values, and you did everything you could, and God, for the most part, has blessed, and He's lifted you up, but all of a sudden, you've gotten a little bit full of yourself, and now you think that you're, to a certain extent, untouchable. Well, look at me. Look what I've done. Hey, I've arrived, haven't I? I mean, I, thank God I'm not like that new couple. Thank God I'm not like that new guy at church. Do you see the way he dresses? Do you see the way they act towards each other? <laughs> not like them. You need to, number one, go back and remember. Number two, you need to repent. But thirdly, you need to go back and replay. Do not try to substitute for God's method of success. Christian, you and I need to go back to the basics. I'm not saying that initially it's going to be the same, but eventually the results will be. And let me say this. It's not because I don't change. It's because he never changes. See, God's truths are unchanging. They're unfailable. God's truths will stand, and they have stood the test of time. If you don't understand that, you might want to look at history and see how God's truths never, ever change. What God said yesterday is as good today as it will be forever. God does not change. And so, my friend, the things that bring us into a relationship with God and the things that we are to be excited about and the things that we are to thank God for and the things that we are lit to lift up our voices and praise Him for are the same things that we need to go back to and do the first works but in many Christians lives we don't want to do that we don't want to humble ourselves 
And I could say so much here, and I, I don't want to take a, a, a lot of time, but Christian, are you doing the first works? When's the last time you told someone else about Jesus Christ? I mean, I mean, ladies, do you remember when you, when you got engaged? You told everybody, including perfect strangers, didn't you? You see an engaged lady? I said I made a, a terrible remark about an engagement ring to Sarah yesterday, and she was so offended because <laughs> it's my engagement ring. See, see, see. And you know how, you know, girl, girl, ladies, you know how them girls walk around that just got an engagement ring. They walk around like they got, like, they, they, you know, they got leprosy, you know. Just, you look unclean, unclean. Just look at my wrist, you know. I mean, and that's true. I, I just wonder, when's, but when, Christian-wise, when's the last time you, you, you said, man, I'm a born again Christian. I'm a born again Christian. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm so excited about it. Hey, you want to come to church with me? Oh, they think I'm weird. They did then. They did. They will now. But, brother, you were so excited then. You didn't care. So go back and do the first works. And you start being zealous for the Lord again. And you start reading your Bible again. You start praying again. And you start telling others about Christ again. And you get back to where you once were. And my friend, God will do what He said He'll do. And He'll rekindle that first love within your heart. But fourthly, we need to refocus. We need to refocus. You don't necessarily see this in verse 5. But I do want you to make a very important realization today. My friend, know that your heart and my heart are deceitful and desperately wicked. Know that they are fickle and feeble at best. Know that our hearts are easily distracted and easily swayed. Refocus. Don't wait until you've lost that first love. You need to constantly be refocusing. The only thing about life that never changes is that life is always changing. And so must our focus. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, what happens is, is you get everything the way it's supposed to be. Amen? You remember, praise God, and you repent, and you change your direction back towards your, towards, towards your God, and, and you get things right, and you start to replay, and you are going back, and you're, you're doing the first works, and that's good, and that's great, and praise God for it. But let me tell you this. Hey, mature Christian, refocus. Because every once in a while, I'm going to tell you something, life throws a doozy at you. Every once in a while, life is going to mess with you. Life is going to trip you up. Life is going to knock you down. And you need to refocus because if you don't refocus, you're going to find yourself back at the beginning of this whole process out of love with your first love, who is Christ. You say, well, what, what happened? And this is what happens with a lot of Christian lives. And, 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 and we, 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 it's like a cycle, man. We start out here right with God, and then we kind of get a little complacent. We get a little arrogant. We get a little full of ourselves. And then we got to go back to remembering, repenting, replaying right with God. Then we go back, and we do the same thing again. And we come around that cycle time and time again. And our Christian lives are almost like we're riding, we're riding just down a big old hilly road. We're up, we're down, we're up, we're down, we're up, we're down. And, my friend, that's not what God wants. What God wants is for us to get out of bed. And let's face it, there are some days when you get out of bed that heaven just seems a little bit closer. Amen? 
I mean, I'm not talking about the fact that you're about to die. I'm talking about that heaven just seems a little bit closer. You get out of bed, and the sun is shining, and the birds are singing, and your wife cooked the toast beautifully, and everything is good. Your car starts the first time you put the ignition, and, 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 you, and, and, you, and you go to your job, and you're met there by your assistant with a cup of coffee, and everything is going good. And that day, man, you, but I'm going to tell you something right now. You've got to refocus, because tomorrow morning, it's going to be raining. The car will not start. Your wife didn't make you a thing. And your assistant spills your coffee on you. Can I tell you what you're going to have to do? Heaven's a little bit further away. Or it feels like that. So refocus. Refocus. You're going to have to stop for a moment and say, Lord, <laughs> you and I both know where I'm at today. God, I need a little bit more help. God, and folks, let's face it, that's life. Life, if, if life were the same, it'd be real easy to figure a lot of things out. But life is never the same. That's the only thing that never changes. Life always changes. There are always things that happen. Illness comes in. Children cause catastrophes. All right? I mean, teenagers end our world. Amen? But, I mean, all these things come into play. And we say, but, God, I, I don't know how to handle everything. God says, step back and just refocus the whole thing for a moment. Just refocus. Sit down sometimes and watch a photographer when, when they're doing their job. Brother listening man does the church pictures and does beautiful, but he'll sit there and he'll focus, 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 focus. Like, man, just take the stupid picture. He's trying to get you into the right frame. And my friend, that's what we need to do with our God. We need to refocus and say, Lord, <laughs> you're a little blurry today. God, I can't see you quite like I want to. Help me out. And friend, I will say this, on those days when heaven seems a little bit closer, you be very careful. Because on those days, you have a tendency to think you're something. And I want to say this, beware lest you fall. The biggest splash a Christian will ever make is when he thinks he's on top of the world. I'm just telling you. Husband, wife, the most dangerous part for your marriage is when you think your marriage is perfect. Okay? The most dangerous spot for children to be in is when mom and dad think their kids are perfect. Okay, if any of your parents think that, meet me after the service. I'll explain to you all of your children's problems. I have three children. I have lots of experience. But I'm telling you, that's one of the most dangerous places. And you be so, church, we need to be so careful. You say, well, well God's blessing our church and God's take care of us. And boy, uh, there's a great congregation here. And the, the pews are filled. And, and, and financially, we're doing great. And everything's good. Beware. Beware. You better refocus. Christian today, our direction must always be the same, but on a daily basis we need to refocus. All today, let us rekindle our love for our Savior. Let us restore the joy of our salvation. And let me challenge you, walk out of here with a revived heart. You say, Pastor, I want to see God do something. It begins with you. And it begins with your heart. You. And my friend this morning, if you've fallen out of love with your Savior, you have a biblical formula to get back. Can I, and let me say this as I finish. You say, you say I, want, I, want, I wish I could go back to those days. You can't go back to those days. But can I tell you this? If you will follow what I've given you this morning, 
you'll have what you once had and more. Because I'll tell you this about the Lord. He only grows sweeter the closer you get. And my friend today, let me challenge you. Let's go and stand to our feet. In a moment, the pianist is going to come, and she's, she's going to play a few verses of a, of a hymn. But friend, I want to challenge you. If you're, if you're sitting out here, and you're not in love with him like you once were, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. And no, I can't take you back in time. Neither will God, by the way. What he will do is he'll pull you back in and he'll pull you closer than you ever were before. But you got to remember. you got to repent. you got to replay and go back and do those first works. And then, Christian, just keep refocusing. Don't ever let him get out of your sight. As the instruments begin to play, if God's laid something in your heart, you come to the altar. about it my friend maybe you're sitting out there and you've never trusted Christ maybe you don't even have that first love so to speak today would be a wonderful day to trust him get your eternity forever taken care of Well, let me challenge you to be here tonight, 7 o'clock, for our evening service. Brother Gansmer is going to be with us, and they're going to be presenting their field there in Argentina. They're going to be going back here in several months and beginning a new work of their own. Um, their first term, they served with a, a veteran missionary and learned the customs, learned the language, and all that good stuff. And now when they go back this time, they'll be uh, beginning their own work. And I um, want you to be here and be a part of that. Of course, I think many of you know, but Heather uh, grew up in this church. We sent her as far away as we could, South America. And uh, <clears throat> no, I'm teasing. 
Heather's a wonderful blessing, has a wonderful spirit, and she's got a good husband. We praise God for that. At least that's what she says. So uh, her parents are a little undecided yet, taking her all the way to South America. Hasn't sat very well, Matt, i got to tell you. But I'm teasing. No, they, they think the world of, of, of Matt. But um, you be here tonight, and I appreciate them, and it's, it's just thrilling to have people from your congregation go out into the world and preach the gospel to every creature and we praise God for that and want you to be here tonight and be a part of that they are very much our missionaries in every sense of the word and just please take advantage of that tonight at 7 p.m. you be back if at all possible let's go ahead and be dismissed with a word of